Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. In each of the three great high holidays, Rosh Hashanah, the New Year, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, and Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, there are beautiful, glorious gems hidden in these holidays by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that enable us to see Jesus in a whole new way. Beyond a yearly calendar of holy convocations, the feasts found in Leviticus 23 as a whole point us to a f- much deeper understanding of the gospel. Bobby, I just know that you love the feasts. Yeah, I'm excited about this because on The Chosen People today, uh, we're going to continue our exploration of these fall feasts of Israel that are found in Leviticus 23. And uh, we're specifically going to try to extract some uh, special important points that we as believers, as Christians, can learn about the fall feasts. So let's get started. I'm ready to go. So Mitch, we want to spend some time here, like, uh, like we mentioned, looking at some of these really important points that we as believers can learn and glean from the fall feasts of Israel. Absolutely, Bobby. And there's a, there is a lot to learn. And the three great festivals of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, and Sukkot feasts, tabernacles, I, I, I consider them a, a road to redemption. It's really a prophetic road to redemption. And sometimes I view it as the setting for the jewel, and the jewel is Jesus. And, you know, when, when you see the jewel in, it, in, the, in the rightful setting, you know, because all these festivals in one way or another point to him, it just shines all the more gloriously. And I hope that our listeners will begin looking at the festivals of Israel in light of the work, person and work of Jesus. I think it's going to make it even more meaningful. Right, right. And I, I think one of these points of meaning and substance that we can take uh, from these appointed times, from the fall feast, uh, one is that God has a special plan for the Jewish people. I mean, th- this is pretty clear when we look, uh, as he gave these holidays, as he gave the calendar in Leviticus 23, he gave it for a purpose. He gave it to to structure the time of the nation of Israel. You're right, Bobby. And and additionally, God is a God of covenant relationships. And the particular covenant that I think is important is the Abrahamic covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham at that time, Abram. And he promised that to Abram that the Jewish people would be preserved, that the Jewish people would have a land, and that the Jewish people would have a holy purpose. And that holy purpose was to shed the light of God's truth to the Gentiles. And that happens through the festivals of Israel. We read in Genesis 12, 3, I'll bless those who bless thee, curse those who curse thee. And here's the statement, and through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so God chose the Jewish people through a covenant relationship to bless the world. And one of the ways that Israel blesses the world is through the light of God's truth that comes through the festivals. That's right. That's right. And I think when we when we consider ministry to the Jewish people, we want to understand where they're coming from. We want to understand their worldview, their their culture, uh, their theological system. And that's another big advantage uh, that we have when we come to these feasts. If we understand what's being celebrated, 
uh, on these holidays, we'll, we'll have a much better grasp and a handle on how to approach the Jewish people and share the gospel. Yeah, I love that. And, and again, uh, we see that God's plan for the redemption of the world, not just the Jewish people, is clearly revealed uh, in the feasts. I mean, take Passover. Passover points to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right. Uh, you can take uh, the Day of Atonement, uh, where we learn that there's a, a greater sacrifice. I mean, the whole book of Hebrews would, I mean, the book of Hebrews would make no sense without the book of Leviticus. We right. know that there's a better covenant and there's a better way of atonement. And so God has revealed his plan of redemption for sure through the Jewish festivals. Now, when we think about this plan of redemption, I mean, obviously, as believers, we find uh, and we believe that it f- its fullness is found in and through the ministry and the person of Jesus, the Messiah. Right. And these holidays, uh, we can find further evidence uh, that they're connected, not just with the ministry of Jesus the first time he came, but even with the second coming of Messiah. Right. You know, when we look at Rosh Hashanah, the New Year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, we see a lot of connections, uh, prophetic connections, right, uh, with the second coming. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew 23, 37 through 39, and uh, in the end of days, the Jewish people will cry out, Baruch Hababa Shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, that's the very same words that I've used many, many times at a Jewish wedding, a Messianic Jewish wedding in particular. Mm-hmm. And so we understand that the Jewish people have a role in the day to come. And you take a holiday like Yom Kippur. Uh, Yom Kippur is a fast day, it's a day of affliction. But Yom Kippur, is also a day when we remember that ultimately what God wants to do among Israel and for all people is to forgive sin. And he forgives sin through the shed blood of a sacrifice. In this instance, of course, it's the sacrifice of Jesus. In in Zechariah chapter 13, verse 1, uh, there's a beautiful passage about a fountain for sin and impurity being opened for Israel and for the nations. We understand that it was the sacrifice of Jesus, of which Yom Kippur was a type. It pointed to the sacrifice of Jesus. That's the most important thing that God has done for us. He has provided the Messiah as a Kippurah, or a sacrifice for our sin. And as we look ahead into the future, uh, again, with this idea of uh, the second coming, so beyond the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah, and the ascension of Messiah— when he ascended, he ascended with a promise, with a promise that he's coming back, that he's going to return. And looking at the fall feasts of Israel, um, we see that with Rosh Hashanah in particular, uh, one thing in Leviticus 23 that sort of characterizes the celebration and the worship that takes place on Rosh Hashanah, it's the blowing of the trumpets, blowing right. of the shofar. Okay, Shofar is a, uh, a ram's horn that is traditionally blown in the synagogues on Rosh Hashanah at least a hundred times. And when we look at the return of Jesus, the return of the Messiah, it too will be heralded with the the sound of the great shofar, the great trumpet blast of the angel of God. Finally, I think we need to remember that the Feast of Tabernacles points us forward to the day when God's tabernacle will fill the earth. We see that in John chapter 1, where Jesus is called 
uh, the tabernacle of God, and he tabernacled among us. And then you will see it in the kingdom when Jesus returns. He will come and dwell on the earth, and the whole earth will become his tabernacle. Why? Because God's faithful to his promises. Romans 11, verses 25 through 29, uh, says that all Israel will be saved. And the salvation of Israel is sort of the linchpin, the key to the second coming of Jesus and the establishment of that, um, of that tabernacle. And so we look forward to that great day. And we know that God will not fail. He will keep his promises because the, the plans and promises of God are irrevocable. He he never breaks his word. He's in, he can't. He's not even capable of breaking his word. And I believe that the festivals, uh, when when we see the festivals happening, we should be reminded of God's chesed, God's covenant faithfulness to the Jewish people and to the mission of the Jewish people to be a blessing to the world. At the heart of every believer is a desire to walk in the ways of the Savior. This fall, we'd like to encourage you to go deeper by connecting with our Messiah's culture. Throughout the Gospels, we read that Jesus was a Jewish man, celebrating the biblical feasts with his disciples. So, the feast days must be significant for us too. And to help you discover the past, present, and prophetic impact of the biblical feasts coming up this fall, we invite you to contact us. We have a variety of articles, books, and newsletters that will help you to learn more about these special appointed times. And you can even invite one of our speakers to your local church. Visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or connect with us today by calling 888-293-7482. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. In two weeks, the United States will commemorate the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And here at Chosen People Ministries, we've decided to honor this day with a very special conference on September 10th and 11th. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it, but I can't believe it's 20 years already. And so we're going to have a conference, and we're going to have a number of great speakers, and Graham Lotz, Mike Wadelnik from Moody, Daryl Bach from Dallas Seminary, and all the way from Jerusalem, uh, Joel Rosenberg, a best-selling author and uh, now the uh, senior editor of All Israel News. And we look forward to hearing from Joel, and I know that he's going to do a, a great job. He has a deep understanding of the New Middle East. The name of the conference is 9-11 in the New Middle East, and Joel will do a great job. But he also has a wonderful testimony and a wonderful spirit. And I think you'll appreciate that as you listen to Joel tell you how he came to faith in Jesus the Messiah. The first page of my first novel puts you inside the cockpit of a hijacked jet, hijacked by radical Islamic terrorists, coming in on a kamikaze attack mission into an American city. Now, I had written that nine months before September 11th, 2001. Uh, the book became a New York Times bestseller, and people kept asking me, you know, how could you possibly have known what was going to happen? You seem to have this crystal ball. You seem to understand the future. I mean, what do you think is going to happen next, dude? 
Your name is Rosenberg, right? I said, right. So you're you're a Hebe, right? I said, well, I'm I'm Jewish. He said, yeah, okay, but that's fine. But you're Jewish. Your name is Rosenberg. But you, what are you, a born again? You know, an evangelical? I said, well, I do believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and I am a follower of Jesus. Dude, how can you be Jewish and believe in Jesus? To have a novelist on my program that predicted the future, that's one thing. But to meet a Jew who believes in Jesus, that's a story I gotta hear, son. So I grew up in a family uh, in upstate New York uh, where my father is Jewish. He's, he was born in Brooklyn uh, as an Orthodox Jew to an Orthodox Jewish family. His grandfather was a, a black hat Orthodox Jew. His parents and grandparents had escaped from Russia in the early years of the 20th century when the Tsar was fomenting all kinds of pogroms and anti-Semitic attacks against Jewish people. My father came home one day from work and he came into the kitchen and he said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I have come to believe that Jesus actually is the Messiah. He's the, he's the savior that we Jews have been waiting for and I've decided to follow him. And this was not a conclusion he wanted to, to come to, but that's where the text led him. My father thought he was the first Jew since the Apostle Paul who believed that. I was watching my parents change. My father was going from being someone that had a volcanic temper. It could just erupt at any moment. And he he's a very angry person. And uh, But he was changing. I could see it. My mother had been a person paralyzed by, by fears and phobias and, and anxieties. And she was starting to have this peace. As a child, I could see it. And I, I was connecting that their love for Jesus was making them better people. They were, it was changing them. It was all very exciting for my mother and father. They were excited. I was not because they started dragging me off to church. Uh, no more sleeping in, no more going out to play. Now we had to go to church every week and I was not a big fan. And they made me go to a Sunday school class. These kids had all been to church. I had never touched a Bible. I never thought about the Bible. I did not care less about the Bible. They had these contests. Every kid had to hold up his Bible. And then the teacher would say, ready, John 3.16. Everybody had to look it up real fast. John 3.16. I mean, what is that? I see a Mark. I see a Jenny. I see a Gary. I see a Nancy. I, I don't see anybody named John in this room. And I didn't know what they meant, and I was struggling to figure it out, and I was getting smoked in all these contests. And over the course of the year, if you won enough points, you won a baseball bat and a ball. Well, I loved baseball. I did not love the Bible. So I asked my parents, hey, listen, I'm getting killed in this game. I I can never win. I need a Bible. So my parents bought me a little New Testament. It just has the New Testament books and then Psalms and Proverbs from the Old Testament in the back of the Bible. But one day, they said, ready, what's the last book of the Bible? And I was like, oh, oh, and I got my hand up. Everyone was shocked. They're like, Joel is raising his hand? The teacher said, oh, okay, Joel, well, what's the last book of the Bible? And I said, Proverbs, my Bible right here, Proverbs, it's the last one, look at it, Proverbs. They didn't give me the ball, they didn't give me the bat, and honestly, to this day, I'm a little bitter. My parents said, oh, now, Joel, we want you to go to vacation Bible school. I said, what is vacation Bible school? It's kind of like Sunday school, but it's every day. 
I'm like, what? You've got to be kidding me. Every day? I'm not going to that. I can think of a lot better ways to spend my summer than gluing elbow macaroni to strips of burlap to write, Jesus loves me. You understand what I'm saying? I, I had no interest. Well, my father came home from church and my father says, listen, I've been teaching this sixth grade Sunday school class at our church and we're going to have a Passover Seder next week in my class and I'd love it if you would all, you know, come and, and be part of that. And I said, a what? A Passover? What? What, what is Passover? He says, what do you mean, what is Passover? Passover, you know, is a very famous uh, Jewish holiday. I said, how would you know how to do a Seder? And he said, because I'm Jewish. And I looked at him and I said, you're Jewish? Does that mean I'm Jewish? How did this never come up? I was in fifth grade and I didn't know I was Jewish. Your name is Joel Rosenberg. What do you mean you were in fifth grade and you didn't know you were Jewish? You must have been the stupidest kid in the class. He didn't want to talk about his upbringing, didn't want to talk about being Jewish. So it never came up, but it began a process for me of trying to figure out, okay, if I have these Jewish roots, what does all that mean? But as I got into high school, I began to get depressed. I was beginning to lose emotional altitude. I wanted to go to film school uh, in college, so I wrote a screenplay about a high school student that commits suicide. This was getting worse and worse. I was going, I was getting darker and darker. It was January of 1984, and it was one of these days in the dark of winter, upstate New York, very snowy, very gray, very bleak. I was in my room after school, and I was having a blowout session with God. I mean, I was mad. I don't understand. I am not experiencing love and joy and hope and peace and happiness. And that's what you, you promise in the Bible for followers of Jesus. And I don't have any of it. So either it's not true or I totally don't get it. You have got to show me if you are real because otherwise I'm out. But I heard God speak to me directly and it shocked me. Joel, do you ever really read my word? Meaning, do I ever really read the Bible? And I, I thought... No, I, I don't read it on a daily basis. I don't really study it for myself. No, I, I don't. No. Joel, do you ever spend time really talking to me in prayer? I knew what he was asking. He was asking me, do you really talk to me? Do you listen to me? Do you, do you share your heart with me and, and talk to me in prayer? And, I, and the answer was no. I don't, I don't spend time in prayer. And he said, Joel, why would you ever expect to experience my blessings when you don't even know me? God had just spoken to me, and I was electrified. I mean, that moment, that night, changed everything for me. I think that that's the key, is to sit down and study the life of Jesus from the Bible. Uh, and I believe that rabbis and religious leaders and, and just Jewish people, when you actually look at what Jesus actually do, what did he actually say by reading the accounts, in the New Testament, he spent time with children, he spent time with sick people, he had a compassion. That's the game changer. That's, that's when people begin to say, is this true or isn't it? The question is, what did Jesus say and is he the Messiah or isn't he? That's the central question. So I often think back to that question that that radio show host had asked me, dude, how can you be Jewish and believe in Jesus? 
the answer is, is, is very simple, actually. Jesus was Jewish. He, his disciples were Jewish. He lived in Israel. And he fulfilled all the prophecies that the Jewish prophets had said, that he would die as a suffering servant uh, and that he would rise again. It's amazing that when Jewish people study the life of Jesus, what he said, what he did, we come to the conclusion. I came to the conclusion. My father came to the conclusion. Jesus is who he claimed to be. He is the Messiah that we have waited for. The most Jewish thing in the world that you can do is follow the Jewish Messiah. Why are we here and what's our purpose? These are just a few of the questions that either plague us or propel us forward in search of an answer. So what if I told you that there was one passage in the Bible that could answer your questions and change your life at the same time? Well, journey with Mitch Glazer through the pages of Scripture to uncover why Isaiah 53 has the power to revolutionize your life. The book is called Isaiah 53 Explained, and it's our gift to you today when you reach out and say hello. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask for Mitch's book, Isaiah 53 Explained, when you call us at 888 888- We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So, Mitch, the feast days are such a powerful example of how the ancient world expectations meet the future as we explore the prophetic promises of the Messiah. So, just one final question for you. How can we honor God by celebrating the feasts in these modern times? Well, I have to tell you, we have some fabulous resources on the Chosen People website at uh, chosenpeople.com slash radio. And so you can go there and learn a ton about the Feasts of Israel. And uh, you can also go to our web store, and we've got books. My wife and I wrote a book many years ago, actually entitled The Fall Feasts of Israel. Perfect. And, uh, and you, can, you can learn uh, about that as well. But I think the other and probably underlying and most important thing, is for Christians to not be afraid of the feasts. Mm. Uh, They were put there by God to help you and your family, particularly your children, learn about the truth of God. And when you can link the festivals to the work and person of Jesus, which which is so evident once you start studying them, then I know that that's going to be a tremendous blessing to you and your home, and even to your local church. I mean, invite a chosen speaker in to talk about one of the festivals. We'll, we'll be happy to come. Learn more about the festivals. Don't be afraid of them. They're given by God. They're really gifts, and they point to Jesus. And I think that you and your, your kids will learn so much from the festivals of Israel. Thank you for listening to The Chosen People. If you've missed any portion of today's message, or if you'd like to share this program with a friend, just visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. And then be sure to sign up to attend our special conference, 9-11 and the New Middle East, that's coming up on September 10th and 11th. You'll find all the details and a list of speakers on our homepage when you visit chosenpeople.com radio. And now let's close today's program with the ironic Benediction. 
Yidrech Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'ikunecha Yisa Adonai panavalecha V'yasem l'cha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'shem shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. The Chosen People is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries.